0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Continuing on the biography of Umar ibn al-Khattab, we have been speaking about his sense of responsibility in leadership. That he took it as a burden upon himself to make sure that everyone is taken care of. Every one of his subjects is completely taken care of. And if there was any shortcoming or any deficiency in that, he felt personally responsible. So he was an exemplary leader and he had the characteristics that anyone who aspires to be a good leader would look up to. If someone wants to know how to be a good leader, then study the biography of Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, and you will see the characteristics that you need to be a good leader. Of course the greatest leader in the history of mankind is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam. And then after him, Abu Bakr as siddiq radiyallahu for this ummah. And then after Abu Bakr as siddiq radiyallahu is Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu So studying the bi- biography of all three of these men, and also the khulafa that came after them, this is something that will help anyone who is in any type of position of authority or leadership. So Umar, radiyallahu an he had this sense of, of responsibility, this sense that. Anything that the people have to go through, any type of suffering or difficulty that they have to go through, this is a burden upon my own back. So he took these things personally, and a leader should take these things personally to be a good leader. So he would put this intense pressure upon himself, an immense amount of pressure that he put on himself to make sure that he was doing everything correctly and fairly. So the period of his Khilafah, the period that he was Amirul Mu'mineen, was an extremely stressful period for him. But he knew that one day he would have to answer for his actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he was willing to take that burden upon his back to make sure that when he meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he would meet him. In a good state. So this was the leadership quality of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an. That he was a person who was responsible and he took this responsibility seriously. And this responsibility and this pressure that he put on himself was based on his fear of accountability to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if he fell short. And that is why he was so strict with himself regarding how he ruled. Once Ali ibn Abi Talib anh, saw Umar ibn al-Khattab anh, on a riding animal and he was riding very fast as if he was trying to catch up with something or if, as if he was trying to run after something. So he's on this animal and going really fast. So Ali An asks him يَا al الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِلَىٰ أَيْنَ تَذْهَبْ Oh Amir al-Mu'mineen, why are you in such a hurry? Where are you going? And Umar he said That one of the camels that had been set aside as sadaqah it escaped. It escaped. And I am chasing after it. One camel. And he took this upon himself. He didn't delegate this to anyone else. Like oh one of the camels escaped. Go and catch the camel. He took it upon himself. He jumped on an animal and he started chasing that camel that ran away because it was from the camels of Sadaqah. It was to be given away in Sadaqah. And this is the responsibility of Umar to distribute the Sadaqah fairly. If one camel is missing, that means one person or some people are not going to be getting their full share of the Sadaqah. And who is responsible for this? Umar an considered himself personally responsible for this. So that is why he didn't delegate this job to anyone else. He considered it his own personal responsibility. He got on the back of an animal. He started chasing that camel himself. So when he explained this to Ali, Ali said to him, لَقَدْ أَذْلَلْتَ الْخُلَفَاءَ بَعْدَكَ That you have made things very difficult for anyone who becomes a leader after you that you have set the bar so high with this personal accountability that you have for yourself, with this, this burden that you put upon your own back. The bar has been set so high by you that you have made it difficult for those who are going to come after you to follow in your footsteps. This is similar to a statement that Umar r.a previously made to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq anh, during his khilafah. Umar رضي الله عنه said to Abu Bakr لَقَدْ أَتْعَبْتَ مَنْ بَعْدَكَ That you have made things difficult for the one who is going to come after you. Umar had said this to Abu Bakr رضي الله عنهما. And now Ali رضي الله عنه is saying it to Umar لَقَدْ أَذْلَلْتَ مَنْ بَعْدَكَ لَقَدْ أَذْلَلْتَ الْخُلَفَاءَ بَعْدَكَ That you have made things difficult for the khulafa who are going to come after you. And then Umar رضي الله he replied to Ali رضي الله عنه, he said وَالَّذِي بَعَثَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ بِالنُّبُوَّةِ لَوْ عَنَاقًا ذَهَبَ بِشَاطِئِ الْفُرَاتِ لَأُخِذَ بِهَا عُمَر يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ لِمَا لَمْ يُمَهِّدْ لَهَا الطَّرِيقِ Umar رضي الله عنه, he said, I swear by the one who raised Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi and gave him prophethood. Even if there were a goat or a sheep that fell into the Euphrates River, then Umar would be accountable for that in front of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala on on Day qiyamah Why didn't Umar make the path for those animals clear? Why, why did an animal have to fall into the river? Because the path was not made clear. The path by the river was not made clear for the animals. He was even thinking about the animals. He said even if an animal falls into the river, in the Euphrates River, now Umar is in Medina, the Euphrates River It's in Iraq, but the Muslim world has expanded so much by this time that all of this land is under Umar ibn al-Khattab. So he's saying even in Iraq, if a sheep is walking by the river and it falls into the river, then I will be held accountable for that on al qiyamah. That's my problem. So he took this responsibility very seriously for people and even for animals. Things that other people may consider insignificant. That this is not a big deal. But he considered every little thing to be a big deal. This was the the leadership of Umar ibn al-Khattab so this is this is how a great leader rules once abdullah ibn abbas was asked about umar ibn al-khattab he was asked ayyu rajulin kana umar what kind of a man was umar ibn al-khattab and abdullah ibn abbas radiyallahu anhu he said kana he was like a bird that is very careful that wherever he's flying, there may be some nets to trap him. So this type of bird who knows that people are trying to catch it, he will always be very careful. So he compared this type of carefulness to Umar رضي الله that he was very careful to make sure that everything he is doing is right and that he is not doing anything that could get him in trouble with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on al qiyamah. So he was always very cautious and very careful with whatever he did. From the characteristics and from the leadership qualities of Umar, Ibn al-Khattab radiallahu <coughs> anhu, is that he would always ask about the people. He would check on the people and as we have mentioned before, he would go around Medina himself making sure that everything is okay and if he saw anyone had any problem he would do what he could to solve those problems right so he would go around the city but also in addition to that he would ask people he would ask people if they're okay if anything is wrong he would be proactive in his approach he wouldn't wait for people to come to him and complain rather he would go to them and ask them do you have any complaints so this was his way he was proactive in his approach he wanted to solve problems even before the problems were able to be formed. So he would ask the people, he would always ask the people, is everything okay, do you need anything? Once there was a man named Malik, and Umar رضي الله عنه met him one morning in Medina, and he asked him, كيف أصبح الناس? How are the people this morning? How are the people this morning? And Malik, he said, That alhamdulillah they are all okay. And then he continued to ask him, continued to ask him, "Have you heard anything from the people? Do they have any problems? Have you heard any complaints? Is there anything that I can do for them?" He kept asking to show his concern, and he really wants to help if there is anything that he can help with, and he considered that his duty. So then Malik said to him, "Ma sami'atu illa khira," that I have not heard anything except good, that everyone is okay, Alhamdulillah. And they're only speaking with good. They have no complaints. So Alhamdulillah, he was able to build a community and build a society where the people were taken care of, Alhamdulillah. Where the people didn't have complaints, Alhamdulillah. And this was due to his, his proactive approach in leadership. And it was due to his genuine concern for the people. And it was due to his sense of responsibility that I have to take care of these people. This is on my neck. So the result of that, alhamdulillah, was a society that flourished, that was peaceful, and where the people were happy, alhamdulillah. Now as we mentioned, the Islamic world, in terms of the land area, it grew extensively. ...during the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab. So of course, Umar he could not be in all places in all times. He wants to make sure that everyone is okay... (coughs) ...in all of the lands that are under him. But now these lands have become huge. So he's stationed in Medina. So he can't personally go and see how are the people in Persia... ...and how are the people in Syria... ...and how are the people in Egypt. All of these lands had come under... The Islamic world at that time so he personally couldn't be in all places at all times so how is how is he going to personally take care of these people in other cities so what he would do in order to make sure that everyone under his rule was taken care of that whenever anyone would come any delegation would come or a group of people or a traveler would come from any other city An would make sure that he goes and meets that person Anyone is coming into Medina from Iraq or from Asham or from anywhere, Umar would go and personally meet that person. And he would ask that person, how are the people in your city? Are there any problems? Are there any complaints? Is there anything that I can do to help them? He would make sure that he took this type of approach. So that everyone is taken care of in all parts of the land. So once a group of people came to Medina from another city and Umar an asked how are the people in your city? And they mentioned to Umar an, Ya Amir al everything is okay, there are no complaints and actually the people of this city they are very afraid of doing anything that will make you angry. They're very afraid of you because they know you're very strict and they're afraid if they do anything wrong then Amir al-Mu'mineen he's going to punish us. He's going to punish us. So they're very afraid of you. So everything in that city is is moving smoothly like clockwork because the people are so scared of you. That's what they told him. Then a group of people came from another city <coughs> and he asked, how is everything in your city? And it was mentioned to him that Alhamdulillah the people in this city, they're all doing very well. Uh, they're doing well financially as well. So they're going to be sending a huge amount of of sadaqah and Zakat to the Baytul Mal. So you can expect that to come in pretty soon. From this city, a big amount of wealth is going to come for the treasury. Then there was another group who had come from another city... ...and Umar asked them... ...how are the people in your city from where you came from? Any complaints, any problems, Any any issues that I can help with? And one of the men from this group, from this delegation said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, everything is fine in that city. And there is a masjid in that city. And there is a worshiper who prays in that masjid. An old man who prays in the corner of that masjid. And we hear him in his prayer, in his sujood, he's always making dua for you, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. This man, he's always making dua for you. He's saying, Allahum magfir li Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar. This old man, he's making dua for you in the masjid, in his sujood. He's asking, Ya Allah, forgive Amirul Mu'mineen Umar for his mistakes. If he does anything wrong, if he slips, forgive him, Ya Allah. And raise his rank, raise his status. So Umar, he reacted to all three groups of these people who had come from three different cities. As for the people of the city <coughs> where they mentioned that the people are scared of Umar radiallahu anh. he said about these people he said as for these people they're scared of me. If Allah wanted good for me he would not have made the people so afraid of me. So he felt sad that the people are afraid of him. He said, if Allah had wanted good for me, then he wouldn't have made the people so terrified of me. Then he said regarding the people of the second city where they were doing very well financially and a huge amount was about to come into Medina for the Baytul Mal, for the treasury. Umar radiallahu anhu, he said about them, as for that money that's coming in, Alhamdulillah, that's good. But that has nothing to do with me personally. That money is not for me or for my family. That money is for the Baytul Mal. It is for the Muslims. It is for the treasury. So it has nothing to do with me personally. But then he said about the people from the third city, where they mentioned about that man who is in the masjid, who prays for Umar in his sujood. He said, this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I wish for from the people who are under my rule. If they will make dua for me like this, then I will be happy and then I will be satisfied. So that's all he wanted. That's all he wished for from the people. That they would make dua for him, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives him if he makes any mistakes, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps him on the straight path. From the piety of Umar ibn al-Khattab is that he always wanted to, to be reminded of Allah. He wanted to keep company with people who would remind him of Allah. He made it a point that he would always surround himself with the people of the Qur'an With the people of knowledge This was his, the majlis of Umar Ahlul Qur'an He would always be with Ahlul Qur'an With people of the Qur'an Because he wanted to benefit from them And he wanted to be constantly reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So once Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anh, Was with his very close friend And also another companion of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiAllahu anhu Abu Musa al-Ash'ari عنه, was known to be a beautiful reciter of the Qur'an. His recitation of the Qur'an was amazing. So Umar said to Abu Musa, Ya Aba Musa, Bi Rabbina. He said, "O oh Abu Musa, remind us of our Lord, remind us of Allah. And what's the best way to remember Allah? By recitation of the Qur'an. So Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anh, with, his, with his amazing recitation and his beautiful voice he starts reciting the book of Allah he starts reciting the Quran and Umar radiallahu anh, is listening, listening, listening and he cries as he listens to the beautiful recitation of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari So these are the ki- type of people he surrounded himself with people who would remind him of Allah who would recite the Quran in his presence Once Umar radiallahu anhu was walking in the streets of Medina as he used to do, checking up on the people and he saw a, a young child on the street. Now uh, Umar radiallahu anhu, he's Amirul Mu'mineen and at this point he is the most powerful person in the world. Right, the Kisra has been taken down, the other rulers of other lands have been taken down. Umar, he's the most powerful person in the world. Still, he's going around the city himself, making sure everyone is okay, and he sees a little kid. And he goes to that little kid, and he says to that child, Ud'uli, fa lam tuznib He goes to a little kid, he takes the kid by the hand, and he says, Can you make dua for me? Can you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me? Because you have not committed any sin yet you're still a little kid a little kid does not have anything written against them right they don't have any sins on them so he asked this little boy can you make du'a for me and the little boy he made du'a for Amirul Mu'mineen for Umar bin khattab so this shows the the humility of Umar عنه, that he remained humble even with such power he remained humble from the piety of Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, is that he used to lead Salat al-Fajr and make the prayer very long. He used to lead Salat al-Fajr in the morning and he would recite very lengthy portions of the Qur'an in his Salah. It would make our prayers look very short. Abdullah ibn Rabi'ah he said صليت khalfa Umar al-Fajr al was Yusuf. He said, I prayed Salatul Fajr behind Umar ibn al-Khattab And he recited Suratul Hajj and Surah Yusuf Surah Hajj alone, it is half a juz And Surah Yusuf is approximately that long as well About half a juz So imagine that in Salatul Fajr Reciting one complete juz Right? How long is that going to take? And قِرَاءَ bati'a Slow recitation, right? So that is how Umar used to lead Salatul Fajr. This was his piety and this was his devotion to the Qur'an that he loved to recite. And he would make his recitation lengthy like this. Also from the Amazing characteristics of Umar ibn al-Khattab is that he was very, very strict in following the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he was very firm against innovations. That if it's something that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa did, then we do it. But if it is something that does not have any basis in the practice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi then we do not do it. He was very firm about this. Once Umar رضي الله عنه, was in Mecca and he was making tawaf and he kissed the black stone as is the sunnah of the Prophet صلى الله He kissed the black stone and then after he kissed the black stone he started addressing the black stone and he said it loudly so that the people could hear what he's saying. So he said to Al-Hajar Al-Aswad he said to the black stone "Qad alimtu أَنَّكَ حجر. الله الله he said to the stone and he wanted everyone to hear to understand he said to the stone I know that you are just a stone and you do not bring harm to anyone and you do not bring benefit to anyone and then Umar radiAllahu he swore by Allah. He said, Wallahi, if it were not for the fact that I saw the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam kiss you, then I would have never kissed you. But because the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam kissed the stone, Umar radiAllahu An, he kissed the stone. So that is complete obedience to the Sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This was the way of Umar bin Khattab radiAllahu anhe." Once during the time of the Prophet, this is while the Prophet was still alive. During the time of the Prophet, Umar he heard another companion, Hisham ibn Hakim, reciting Suratul Furqan. And he was reciting Suratul Furqan in a different style, in a different harf. Right? The Quran, it has many different ways of recitation. So Hisham was reciting it in a different recitation, different than the one that Umar radhiallahu anhu knew. So Hisham is praying and he's reciting and he's reading Surah Al-Furqan and Umar is hearing him and he does not recognize this type of recitation. So he thinks that Hisham is reciting it incorrectly. So he becomes very angry. Umar radhiallahu became very angry. Like why is he reciting the Quran like this? This is not the way that I was taught this surah. So he wanted to actually grab Hisham ibn Hakim in the middle of his prayer. He wanted to just grab him and take him to the Prophet. ﷺ. But he said, I remained patient. I said, okay, let me wait, let him finish the prayer, and then we will deal with this. He said he wanted to grab him in the middle of the prayer, but he waited. As soon as Hisham said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, Umar anh goes up to him and he grabs him by his upper garment and he pulls him up. And he says to him, Man Akara akahadi his surah, who taught you how to read this surah? And Hisham, he says, aqra'aniha aniha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's shocked that Umar just grabs him like this and he asks him who taught you this surah. And he, he tells him, aqra'aniha aniha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he's the one who taught me how to read this surah. And then Umar says to him, Kazabd. الله الله he said, you're lying because the Messenger of Allah taught me this surah. And the way he taught it to me is not like what you're reading. So this was the assumption that Umar came to. That the Prophet taught me this surah. I know this surah. And he's reading it, he's reading it different. So how could the Prophet taught have taught it to him a different way than he taught it to me. So Umar didn't understand this at this point. So he's very angry and he thinks that Hisham is reciting the Quran incorrectly. So he doesn't let go of him and he drags him all the way to the Prophet ﷺ. He doesn't let him go. He doesn't just say, follow me, let's go to the Prophet ﷺ. No, he takes him himself physically. He pulls him by his garment to the Prophet ﷺ. And when they meet the Prophet, still Umar doesn't let go of his garment. He's still holding it when he meets the Prophet. And then he says to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, he was reciting Surah Al Furqan and he recited it in a different way than you taught it to me. And while Umar is explaining this to the Prophet, he still has not let go of Hisham's garment. And then the Prophet says, Ya Umar, arsilhu. Let him go. Let him go. So then Umar, عنه, he lets him go. Then the Prophet ﷺ very calmly says to Hisham, iqra' ya Hisham. Recite the Surah Ya Hisham, how you were reciting it. And Hisham recites it. He recites it in the way that he was taught. The same way that he was reading it in his prayer. He recites it. And when he finishes, the Prophet Wasallam says, haakadha unzilat. This is the way that it was revealed, and then the Prophet ﷺ says to Umar, "Iqra, ya Umar." <coughs> it ya Umar. So Umar anh, recites it in the way that he was taught, the way that the Prophet ﷺ taught it to him, and it's different. It's a different style. And after he finishes, the Prophet ﷺ also says to him, "Ha This is how it was revealed. And then the Prophet ﷺ explains the different recitations. He says, "In هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ أُنزِلَ عَلَىٰ سَبْعَةِ أَحْرُفٍ تَيَسَّرَ مِنْ He said, surely this Qur'an, it was revealed in seven different styles. So read it in whichever way is easy for you. So see Umar رضي الله عنه. He didn't know it at this time, at that time, when he heard this recitation, but he thought that perhaps this person is reciting the Quran incorrectly, and that made him very angry. That this is the book of Allah, this is the word of Allah. You have to have respect for the word of Allah. Right? So it just shows his love for the Quran. Also, as we mentioned from the characteristics of Umar, is that he hated bid'ah, he was a staunch enemy. Of any type of innovation into the religion of Allah. And he dealt with the people who innovated into the religion very harshly. He didn't give them any types of breaks. If you're innovating something into the religion of Allah, then Umar is going to deal with you. He was very strict with that. During the Khilafah of Umar ibn Khattab, anh, some of the Muslims the the newer generation of muslims the tabi'in right the generation of muslims who didn't see the prophet sallallahu some of the newer muslims they started visiting hudaybiyah hudaybiyah is where the famous treaty of hudaybiyah took place right outside of Mecca. and it is the place where <coughs> the companions of the prophet sallallahu Made the bayah al-Ridwan, they made an oath of allegiance to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi under a tree that was at Hudaybiyah. Fifteen hundred companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi gave their oath of allegiance to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi under that tree at Hudaybiyah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran: <laughs> That surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with the believers when they gave you this oath of allegiance, they pledged their allegiance to you under the tree. So the tree is mentioned in the Quran. So some Muslims they started visiting Hudaybiyah to see that tree, that this tree they took the the oath of allegiance. The companions of the Prophet took this oath of allegiance to him under this tree. So they wanted to go and see that tree. So they started going to see that tree and then they started praying by that tree. Right? This is a special tree. It's mentioned in the Quran. So they would go there and they would pray thinking that this tree is special and it has some special type of significance. So this is opening the door to bid'ah. Venerating this tree in a way that has not been prescribed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Umar رضي الله heard of this, that people are actually going there to visit that tree and to pray by that tree, to pray near that tree, he became very angry. He became very angry. And he said, if I find out that anyone is praying by that tree, see what I'll do to him. And he ordered for that tree to be chopped down. <coughs> In order to cut off this innovation, he actually ordered for that tree to be chopped down. The tree is not there anymore. Because Umar, radiallahu anhu, he chopped it down. And then he said to the people, the people who were going and praying at that location, he said to those people, Arakum ayyuha nas, raja'tum ila al He said, I see, O oh people, that you have returned back to al uzza. Al uzza was one of the idols that the kuffar used to worship before. So Umar is so mad that these people, they're praying, and they're praying by that tree. Like, why are you praying by this tree? What is so special about this tree? rajatum ila I see that you have gone back to Al-Uzza. It's like you're almost opening the door to go back to idol worship by doing this type of thing. And then he said, look how harsh, look how strict he is with the people who innovate into the religion. What did he say? he said even after he chopped the tree down he said if anyone still goes to that place and prays by that place if I hear anyone doing that then I'm going to execute him with the sword like an apostate is executed and why was he so harsh about this and so strict about this? Because he wanted to make sure that the, the door to shirk is closed. That this is a stepping stone. Venerating this tree, it could be a stepping stone to eventually worshipping that tree. So he wanted to make sure that this is cut off. So he said, anyone who's praying there, if I find out about it, you're dead. That is how strict Umar ibn radiAllahu khattab عنه, was with the people of innovation. Once Umar was traveling to Mecca for hajj. He was traveling from Medina to Mecca for hajj with a group of people. And accompanying him was a man named Mamroor. So Mamroor mentions that I was with Umar and a group of people and we were going to, towards Mecca. We were on our way to Mecca to make hajj. And one of the mornings, the time for Salatul Fajr came. So Umar عنه, he led us in salah, on the on the way, on the pathway. Right? There, there is no buildings there. It's just, a, it's just a pathway on the way to Makkah. So the time for Fajr came. So we prayed Salatul Fajr. And Umar radiallahu anh, he led the prayer. <coughs> in the first Raka'ah, he recited Suratul Fil, And in the second Raka'ah, he recited Surah Quraish. Two very short surahs. And it's the Sunnah when you're traveling to make the prayer short. Even the Fajr prayer. So he made it short. He recited al Fil, and he recited Quraysh they finished the Fajr prayer and they continued on their way towards Mecca they continued for a little while and then they saw a masjid they actually saw a masjid that was built on the way from Mecca from Medina to Mecca so some of the people from the group they went into that masjid and Umar was surprised like, where did this masjid come from who built this masjid so he goes to the masjid and he asks the people what is this masjid why is this masjid just here in the middle of nowhere Nobody lives here. It's just on the pathway. Why is there a masjid here? And then the people in the masjid explained to Umar radiAllahu They said, once when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi was making a journey, he prayed in a particular spot. He happened to pray in a particular spot. So after that, the people they remembered that spot and they built a masjid over the place where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi prayed. So when Umar heard this he became very upset he became very angry and he said they said this he said this is how the Ahlul kitab this is how the Jews and the Christians before you this is how they were destroyed because they took the places where their prophets walked and where they prayed they they made these places of worship they built structures over these places oh a prophet walked here let's build a masjid here a prophet prayed here let's build a masjid here this is something the ahlul kitab did before you and they were destroyed because of that doing this type of thing so this is an innovation to do this type of thing so he was upset and then he said when you're traveling when you're on the pathway you don't need to build a masjid and pray in a masjid make a masjid you don't need to do that when you're traveling when the time of Salah comes, pray. And if it's not the time of Salah, continue on your way. So, this was the strictness and the firmness that Umar ibn Khattab عنه, had against all sorts of innovations. Because he understood the words of the Prophet Man ahdatha fi amrina ma laysa minhu. Fahuarad. Whoever innovates into this matter of ours something which is not part of it, whoever brings something new into this religion of ours, it will be rejected. He understood this and he made sure that he implemented this. And he made sure that that is how he ruled the people. According to the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and shunning all innovations. رضي الله عنه May Allah be pleased with Umar radiyallahu an, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him for all the good that he did during his reign. Inshallah, next week we will continue with more on the biography of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu. Bi-ithnillah, jazakumullahu khaira wa barakallahu feikum wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.